Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, to the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him but, and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. Welcome to Christmas Eve at Wheaton Bible Church. It's our traditional service. Let's stand and sing, O Come All You Faithful.
nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angels, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about.
Beautiful, wasn't it? Amen. I love that song because it says, all you shepherds come adore, but we could say, all you business people, all you teachers, all you students, all you retail workers, all you moms and dads, come adore him. All you computer science people and retired people and IT professionals and medical people and, and everybody, come adore him. He is the reason for our hope now and for eternity. We're about to sing the song, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, and I made my own words for it, so I hope you'll listen to it right here. It says, listen, the angels are singing. The splendor, majesty, and glory and holiness of God is found in this newborn baby. Because God and sinners are reconciled, all kinds of people everywhere can proclaim together that Christ is born in Bethlehem. Let's stand and sing together.
Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherd said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. God's promise of a Savior, Redeemer, has been fulfilled in Jesus. Christ is born. We celebrate this sacred moment by lighting the Christ candle. Our Prince of Peace, Emmanuel, God with us, is here. And with great expectation and hope, we also anticipate that very soon Christ will come again. And fullness of joy, immeasurable love, and everlasting peace will be restored and all things will be made new. Amen.
Isn't that beautiful? Yeah, how about you give a round of applause? I don't know if you knew this, but one of the spiritual disciplines for Christians is to take the time to remember. It's one of those spiritual disciplines that are so important to practice because we are quick to forget. And part of what we want to do in this Christmas is for us as a congregation to take the time to remember everything that the Lord has done in this church and through this church all for his glory. So what I want to do is I want to walk you through different elements and different celebrations that the Lord allowed us to participate in all through 2021. And what I expect from you is some sort of participation, all right? What that means is that at the end of every section, I'm going to need you to uh, exalt the Lord, glorify the Lord, not just by saying, oh, that's nice, but by clapping and saying, thank you, Lord. Is that clear? Yes. No, this is terrible practice. <laughs> is that okay? Yes. There you go. You do know that this is a Christmas celebration, right? <laughs> Let's just start talking about what the Lord did with our church. At the beginning of 2021, as we're continuing to work with the limitations uh, for the pandemic, and as the restrictions are being relaxed, we got the blessing and the opportunity to start some of the ministries that we had to stop during 2020. So by, by God's grace, for example, we were able to open the doors of the building and ministries like care groups or student ministries or adult communities or special events were able to be held in this location. For example, this last year, you probably remember, we got the chance to celebrate Missions Fest. And we had a ton of our missionaries here worshiping with us, sharing with us what the Lord is doing in other parts of the world. What a blessing that it was for us to be able to hear and see what the Lord is doing in other parts of the world. You might remember as well a night before Christmas, a time in which we had 1,000 beautiful ladies gathered in this location, in this sanctuary, smelling amazing, hearing the word of God, and 50 of those ladies made a significant faith decision that night. I don't know if you know this. Yeah, you could get glory. There you go. I don't know if you know this, but 70 people got baptized in this church this year. 70 people publicly professed that Jesus is their Lord and Savior. This year, uh, Tri-Village, our campus in Streamwood, celebrated their fifth year anniversary. Also this year, we got to celebrate Rob's 27th year of faithful ministry in Wheaton Bible Church. And this year as well, the Lord called me to be the next senior pastor, and that was the best party ever. That's just for the church. Now, let's talk about how the Lord used us to reach and serve our community. This year, we got the chance to do our neighborhood Bible clubs. Many of you opened the doors of your house, and many of you guys volunteered. And a ton of kids got to hear the gospel for the first time, and a ton of kids got to hear the gospel time and over and over again. This year, we got to celebrate CareFest. And if you remember, we were to, uh, able to serve in 50 different locations, cleaning, mulching, painting, and doing all kinds of beautiful things. This year, we got the chance to open our preschool again. 
And 150 students got enrolled, kids that come to this church and kids that are part of our community, even, even when we had a ton of restrictions with DCFS. I don't know if you remember this, but this year our students went to Memphis, Tennessee as their mission trip, serving and loving the, the community over there. And I got to see firsthand what the Lord was doing in them and through them. Two weeks ago, we got to, uh, to do our Christmas tour here in West Chicago and in Streamwood. I want you to hear this. Hundred families got the benefits of your generosity. Five hundred kids, because of your generosity tonight, if they're Latinos, will get to open a gift. Tomorrow morning, if they're Americans, will get to open a gift. Yeah. We got the chance to pray over 100 people that day that asked us to pray. And we know that at least nine families accepted an invitation to come to, to church at one point. Yeah. But there's more. This last year, we got the chance to open the doors of this church for District 33. And we had here for a number of weeks... 100 students using our classroom so they could do e-learning. At the same time, we got the chance to open our, our summer program with Puente del Pueblo. And a ton of students got the benefit of being uh, edified, not just uh, spiritually, but also academically. This year, we got the chance to host a bi-monthly blood drive for people that need it. And for that, we want to give glory to God. How about if we talk about what the Lord was doing globally? Now, this you did not know. Iglesia del Pueblo, which happened to be one of our congregations, which that's where I come from. Iglesia del Pueblo, at the beginning of the pandemic, wrote this curriculum for men and women so they could do it in small groups virtually. That curriculum is being used as we speak in places like Argentina, Chile, Mexico, Peru, Ecuador, Colombia, and Venezuela. Our worship services on Sunday morning are being watched in Dominican Republic, Costa Rica, Panama, Nicaragua, Honduras, and El Salvador. And all for the glory of God. What about missions? I don't think I need to remind you that the Lord used you. So in two weeks, we collected $250,000 for our global and local, for the global local cause of Christ. I don't think I need to remind you that the Lord allowed us to continue to support our missionaries that are living in 52 different countries in the world. Listen up, church. And not once, not one month, the church stopped supporting missionaries to the point that this last year we were able to give $2 million to the global and local cause of Christ. And for that, we have to give glory to God. Now, we are about to close our 2021 year, start 2022. And I want to ask you to do two things. If, this is, if you are visiting for the first time, this is not for you. This is for church family in which you consider this to be your local church. I, I want to invite you to pray. The pray that the, to pray that the Lord allows us to finish this year well. But I also want to invite you to pray and to give. 
because we want to finish our year well, and we want to start 2022 well. So I'm inviting you to continue to contribute to what the Lord is already doing. Amen? Amen. If you said amen, you have to give money. <laughs> and you have to pray. It works all the time. Let's pray. Lord, we are grateful that we get to see and we get to participate in what you are already doing in this beautiful creation. Lord, we are so grateful that we get to be vessels in your hands. We are grateful, Lord, that you have used us in ways that we, can, we couldn't even imagine. We are grateful, Lord, that you have used in this this, this church, this small broken church, like any other church in mighty ways. Lord, and if we got to see what you, what you have been doing in us and through us, I cannot even imagine what you have been doing with other congregations in our area. And I pray, Lord, that as we finish this 2021 and as we celebrate Christmas today, we may never forget that you are good, that you are faithful, that you are powerful, and that you're still in the move. Help us, Lord, trust you more, love you more, and save you more as we finish this year and we start the new one. And we pray for all of this in the name of Jesus and the church says.
All right, familia, Merry Christmas again. Come on, church. That's really good. All right, that's enough. Just kidding, just kidding. My name is Hannibal Rodriguez. I want to welcome you all again. If this is the first time you're in a church, we want to say we are so glad that you're here. Uh, this service, hopefully, is uh, our gift to you. If you're a part of the church, I'm so glad that we get to celebrate Christmas together. And today, I get the, ple- the pleasure and the, ble- the blessing to finish our Advent series. Uh, and what we have been doing for the last few weeks, we, we're looking in, um, in a section of the prophet Isaiah, something that he wrote 700 years before Jesus was born, in which we find four names given to Jesus. There he's called a wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, and prince of peace. And the reason why the last name is highlighted is because that's where we're going to be spending a few minutes, maybe, you know, maybe a few hours, who knows, this is Christmas, um, (laughs) trying to understand why is it that Jesus is called the prince of peace. Now, what we have been doing then throughout this series is we are grabbing one name and we're giving a statement about Christmas that is related to that name. So for the first week, for example, we said that Christmas is both the most offensive and the most wonderful message ever proclaimed. The following week, we said that Christmas is about the wonderful counselor of truth and tears. The week after that, we said that Christmas is about the mighty God that comes to redeem and redefine the concept of power. Last week, last Sunday, Pastor Eric talked about Christmas. He said that Christmas is when eternity entered time and made a new kind of family. And today the statement is this. Christmas is about the Prince of Peace breaking into a world of anxiety. Now, before we dig into this, I have a question for you that I expect for you to answer. How many of you guys here today are desperately craving peace. Can you, by show of hands. Now, for those of you that don't like to participate, (laughs) it's all right. God forgives you. I, I think that we would all agree that we all need peace. Unless you have been living in a bubble completely divorced from the rest of the world, I think that you would agree with me that we need peace. Unless you never watch TV and you don't never heard the news or seen the news or anything with the news, you probably don't think that we need peace. And I hope I'm not offending you because this is Christmas. I'm not, I'm not supposed to offend anybody. But maybe if you don't think that you don't need peace, it's because there's something wrong with you. <laughs> because everyone knows that everything is upside down. We need the, pre, the peace that only Jesus can give. We are all in desperate need of this peace that only Jesus can give. If that is true, then, the first question that I got to ask the Bible is, why is it that Christmas is about this prince of peace? What, that, what does that mean? Now, the word prince is an interest, interesting word because it could be translated as someone that has spiritual authority. Meaning that Jesus, as the prince of peace, is the ultimate commander, the one in charge of everything, the one that everything submits to him. What is interesting and unique about the concept of prince is that whenever you look at that term in the Old Testament, it tells you that the prince had the spiritual authority 
Uh, and he used what he, was, what he had and what he was for the sake of his people. And if we apply that principle to Jesus, then we're saying is that Jesus is a prince for the people. Not a prince that is taking away, taking from people, but a prince that uses what he is and what he has for his people. And the name tells us that what the, what the Lord has that we need is that peace. Now, that word peace in the Old Testament is a well-known word, I think, in the context of the church, and is the concept of shalom. That would be the name in the original. Now, it's interesting because when we think about shalom or peace, we usually think about a place or a time in which there are no problems or struggles. Usually, people translate the concept of peace as the absence of problems or the absence of struggles. What is interesting about that definition, though, not only that it's not biblical, but if, the, if, that if that's the peace that Jesus gives, then we will have that peace as long as things are going okay, or it is a peace that is bound to circumstances. But I want you to hear today that nothing that Jesus gives is bound to circumstances. So, for example, the love of Jesus for you is not bound to your behavior, the presence of Jesus in your life is not bound to your faithfulness. His commitment to you is not bound to your obedience. And his peace, the peace that he gives, is not bound to anything you do or don't do, anything you have or don't have. The peace of Jesus is a gift. It's a gift that cannot be taken away. And it's a gift that is not bound to circumstance or circumstances. If that's what the peace of Jesus is, then the question is, what is that peace? Now, I want to offer three different words that can be replaced for the word shalom. There's many more translations for the word shalom, but I think that these, these ones give you a concept, a, a holistic concept of what the peace of God, the peace of Jesus, looks like. Shalom means completeness soundness, or well-being. And the Bible shows us that the peace that Jesus gives is this supernatural and internal condition that is with you regardless of what you go through. That is this internal, spiritual, supernatural condition that is with you even when things go wrong. So, for example, uh, shalom as completeness is when even when things go wrong, you know that you lack nothing and you need nothing. That's a very interesting concept. Shalom as soundness, it tells is this sense in which you know that you're going to be okay even if nothing is okay. That's a very interesting concept. Shalom as wellness is this sense in which you know that even though you're physically or emotionally or spiritually drained, you're still okay. That's an interesting concept. The best translation of that, in my opinion, is found by in, in the writings of Paul, Philippians chapter 4, in which he says that the peace of God transcends all understanding and he guards your hearts and your minds in Jesus Christ. You know what that means? That from a human perspective, that kind of peace 
that is not bound to circumstances doesn't make any sense. That the peace that Jesus gives that is not bound to anything, from a human perspective, doesn't make any sense. I, I, I want to paint that picture in your head. I want to help you understand how that looks like in real life. And for that, we're going to look into a story that I think many of you guys are familiar with. This is the story of Job. The Bible tells us that this is a man that loved the Lord and has a relationship with the Lord. The Bible tells us that this is a man that has a beautiful family and he's respected and admired by the community. The Bible tells us that, he, that this is a man of financial prosperity, a generous man. You could say that he had everything going right for him. But the story also tells us that Satan wanted to make his life miserable. And in just a few days, Satan takes from him wealth and family. But look at how this man responds. Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Who says that? A man that has the peace that is transcendent, that is, goes beyond understanding. Now, the story continues, and now Satan takes away his health. Now, his wife is a very interesting lady. His wife, in the midst of all of this, and as she's seeing her husband struggle, she says to him, do you still hold fast to your integrity? Look at what she's about to say, people. Curse God and die. So much for emotional support. <laughs> we could say that maybe there's something wrong with that lady. We could say that maybe they have marriage issues. Or maybe, maybe just maybe. She is struggling just as much as Job is struggling, but she doesn't have the peace that Job has. You know how I know that? Because he says, should I receive good from God and not receive evil? That's what peace looks like. A peace that is not bound to circumstances. Is this supernatural and internal condition which transcends all understanding and guards your heart and your mind. And it gives you a sense of completeness, soundness, and well-being even when you have lost everything that matters. Don't you think that we all need that today? Don't you think that we desperately need that peace today? You know why? Because today we have and tomorrow we don't. Because today we enjoy and tomorrow we don't. I think that the pandemic has been a great reminder of that. Don't you think that we desperately need the peace that Jesus gives? See, I, I would like to argue that today, more than ever, we need that. Because today, more than ever, we're living in a world of anxiety. 
Study after a study, book after book, continues to show that this is the age of anxiety. From the youngest to the oldest, we are all experiencing high levels of anxiety and fear. And I know that for many of us, the term fear and anxiety they go hand in hand, and I would like to argue that they're different. And I want to talk about what a normal fear and anxiety looks like, and then, then we're going to talk about the ones that I think we struggle with. So, for example, fear, for the most part, is this emotional warning in regards to something that is dangerous or could be dangerous in the present. Now, there's nothing wrong with that fear. I actually believe that the Lord gives you that fear to protect you. Now, anxiety, on the other hand, is when you have this emotional warning of something that could be dangerous or is dangerous, but in the future. And I actually think that there's nothing wrong with that. I actually think that the Lord gives you that to protect you from doing dumb things. That's not the type of anxiety I'm talking about. And I'm not even talking about the clinical anxiety, which is the one that people have experienced because they've gone through something awful or because they were born with it. I'm not talking about that anxiety. I'm talking about the anxiety that all believers experience. So I'm talking to you as Christians. I'm talking about this anxiety that we all go through because we are broken people living in a broken world. Two different types of anxiety, I would say. Number one is this anxiety that we all experience when we want to control things that we cannot control. Or the type of anxiety that we all experience because we struggle trusting God. You know, Matthew 6 has a perfect example of that. Jesus is talking to his audience and he says that we worry too much. We worry about the things we need, and we worry about tomorrow. And Jesus' entire argument is that we shouldn't worry so much about those things because God cares for us, that we are valuable to him, and he's not powerless. So the question that Jesus would ask is, why are you so worried? Don't you know who God is and who you are to God? How many of us forget that all the time? If you're like me, I forget this at least once a day. You know how I know that? Because I worry. You know how I know that? Maybe I'm the only one. <laughs> because I experience this anxiety when I'm trying to control things that I cannot control. And for some reason, I struggle trusting the God that finds me valuable. Something tells me that I'm not the only one. The second type of, type of anxiety I'm talking about here is the one that I'm calling anxiety that comes from a divided heart. Let me tell you what that means. And I'm going to use another example in the Bible. You remember the story of Martha and Mary. The story is found in Luke chapter 10. And the Bible tells us that Martha and Mary are, ho are hosting a gathering. They're hosting, you could say, their life group. And Mary is the one that is sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to the Bible study. Mary is the one with a highlighter. You know those types, right? Highlighting everything in your Bible. 
Mary is the one that is writing notes on the side of the Bible, underlining everything, making circles, and asking questions. That's Mary. Martha, on the other hand, is doing something good, something really good. She's serving people. You know, Martha is the one that is passing out the chips, you know? Martha is the one that is passing out the drinks, coffee and tea, because they're Christians. <laughs> Martha is the one that is serving everyone, and yet the Bible says that she's distracted with many things. So Martha goes to Jesus and says, Jesus, my sister is doing her devil, and I'm here working. Tell her to help me. My translation. To which Jesus responds, you are worried and anxious, which is the same word, and upset about many things. One thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better. This is what is interesting. The word worry in the text is the same word for anxiety, anxious. And it literally means to be here and there at the same time. And it means to want to have, it means to be, to want to be with Jesus and with everything else at the same time. And it means to want to love Jesus and everything else at the same time with the same intensity. And it means to love Jesus as your source of satisfaction, security, and significance and everything else at the same time. Do you know why we struggle with anxiety? Because we do love Jesus, but we also love other things just as much. And that's the problem. Because we want to trust Jesus, but we trust other things just as much. And that's the problem. Because we trust Jesus as the source of satisfaction, security, and significance, and yet we're still placing our trust in other things that we think will give us satisfaction, security, and significance. That's the problem. Do you know why we struggle with worry and anxiety? Because we have divided hearts. It is only when you and me find Jesus more and more beautiful. It is only when we find that Jesus is better, that Jesus is the best, it is only when we find Jesus as the center of our affections. It is only when we find Jesus as better than anything else and instead of everything else that we gradually get to experience this true, transcendent, internal, supernatural peace that goes beyond understanding, that gives you a sense of completeness, soundness, and well-being. Can you see why we need to celebrate Christmas and remember that we need that Prince of Peace? Because he's the Prince of Peace breaking into a world of anxiety. You know what's ironic about Christmas, though? You know what's ironic about Advent? That in order for the Prince of Peace to give us his peace, he had to lose his. That's ironic. That in order for the Prince of Peace to give us peace, this transcendent peace, he had to lose his. Think about it with me for a second. Jesus, when becomes a human being, 
experience what he had never experienced before. Think about it. From eternity, perfect harmony and communion with the Father and the Holy Spirit. Perfect relationship, perfect joy, perfect peace. No sin, no struggle, no deception, no pain. And Jesus chooses to lose that, to surrender that, by becoming a human being, coming into a broken world. That's the irony of Advent. You know what else is the irony of Advent? That not only Jesus chooses to experience something that he had never experienced before, but Jesus chooses to experience what none of us, if we have placed our faith in Jesus Christ, none of us will ever have to experience. You know what that is? The ultimate fear, the ultimate worry, the ultimate anxiety of the wrath of God displayed at the cross. That's ironic. Ironic that the Prince of Peace would choose willingly to experience what he had never experienced before and to experience for us what we don't have to experience if we have placed our faith in him. The brutal, horrific, fearful, and anxious reality of the wrath of God displayed at the cross. Did you know that no one has ever loved you like that? Did you know that no one can love you like that? So here's a question that you should be asking. Why would Jesus choose to do that? Why would Jesus exchange glory for pain? Why would Jesus exchange his peace for the cross? It doesn't make any sense. Thankfully, though, Isaiah chapter 9 answers that question for us. So we have been looking at Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 through 7. And the very last verse right there, verse 7, says this. And the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Do you know what the, Lord, what the word zeal means? It means to long for. It's to intensely long for. Let, let me help you understand that. Participation. How many of you guys have ever been in love? Raise your hand. Listen, if you're married, you better raise your hand because <laughs> it's going to get complicated after the service. <laughs> if you have ever been in love like that, you know what it means to love and long for somebody. You love that person and you long for that person so and so much that it hurts. You long for that person, and you love that person so much that that person has control over you. You love that person, and you long for that person so much, and with so much intensity that all you want is exclusivity in the relationship. That's what longing means. That's what zeal means. Now, church, ask this question. Who was Jesus longing for? If he already has perfect relationship with the Father and perfect relationship with the, with the Spirit and he lacks nothing, who was Jesus longing for? You. 
So Jesus so much wanted you and wanted to give you peace that he longed for you. It is because he longed for you that from eternity he wanted to be with you. It's because he longed for you that God the Father decided to send his son. It is because he longed for you that the son becomes a human being. It is because the, uh, Jesus longed for you in such a way that he was born in a barrow, smelly, with no splendor at all, manger. It is because he longed for you that he lived like a nobody for 30 years. And noticed, ignored, and like treated like if he was not God. It is because he longed for you that he chose to accept the cross. It is because he longed for you that he chose to be obedient, even if he was about to experience the greatest anxiety of the wor- that the world has ever known. That's why he was sweating blood at Gethsemane. It is because he longed for you that he allowed himself to be crucified. It is because he longed for you that he stayed at the cross when he couldn't, when he couldn't run away from that. It is because he longed for you that he was treated like a criminal, humiliated, rejected, ashamed, and abandoned. It is because he longed for you that he cries out, why have you forsaken me? And it is because he longed for you that he says, it is finished. Why would Jesus do that? So you could never say that he doesn't love you. So you could never say that he doesn't long for you. Nobody has ever loved you that way. That way. And nobody can love you that way. And that's why we celebrate Christmas. And that's why we need the Prince of Peace. Because he did everything that was required for you to get the peace that you so much want. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we are grateful because we got in Jesus what we so much want and what we so much need. Lord, no one, no one in the history of the world has loved us the way you have. Lord, and from a human perspective, it doesn't make any sense. That the God that is transcendent, that the God that is pure and holy, that the God that is omniscient and omnipresent, that the God that is full of grace and wisdom, that the God that is full of mercy, that the God that lacks nothing and is self-sufficient, why would that God long for me? Why would that God long for you? Just because. And for that, Lord, we are grateful. And I pray, Lord, that you do not allow this Christmas to be another Christmas in which we don't embrace that Jesus, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the wonderful Counselor, the Prince of Peace. And if we have already embraced you in our hearts, Lord, May we embrace, embrace you even more. And we pray for all of this in the name of Jesus. And the church says. Amen. Oh, holy night. 
the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of the dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and never pining till he appeared and the soul one more thing that I have to say about what it means to be, to long for somebody. You know, when you long for somebody, you cannot stay away. 
That's a reality. When you love someone and you desire someone so and so much, you cannot stay away. And this is the thing. When you think about Jesus and when you think about what he did for us, you have to see just that. You have to see that Jesus longed for you, you, for you so and so much that he couldn't stay away. See, the Bible talks about us being in darkness if we don't have life in him. And one of the beautiful things when you long for somebody is that you're willing to get into people's darkness to get them out of there. And this is one of the reasons why we celebrate the candlelight. Because we have this Jesus that with his loving light breaks into our darkness to get us out. So in a second, we're going to light the candles. And if this is the first time you're doing this with us, I have to give you some instructions. So um, in a second, as we're lighting the, the, lighting the candles, the person that has the candle on will keep the light like this. And the person that doesn't have the light yet will lean in. Why do we do that? Because we love this building and we want to keep it this way. <laughs> but as we do this, I want you to see how beautiful the grace and the mercy of God looks as we remember how that light came into our darkness. Amen?
Look at what the Lord has done to us. And as beautiful as this is, it doesn't fully capture how much the Lord is for us. Merry Christmas to you all. Thanks for coming. We love you. See you guys on Sunday.